Hello, and welcome to another episode of The King's Business, a podcast designed to help business leaders apply biblical principles in both their personal and professional lives. I want to thank you for joining us today, and it is my hope that you will walk away with added wisdom to your life so you can go into the world and be a positive influence on others by doing The King's Business. As always, here is the layout that each episode will generally follow. First, we'll introduce the week's topic. Next, we will connect it to scriptural references and examples. Then, we will identify ways we can apply these biblical teachings into our leadership of others, both personally and professionally. Finally, we will close with some open-ended questions you can either answer personally or share with your followers or teams for deeper discussion. Well, without further ado, let's get to today's topic, being a humble leader. So humble is one of those words where a lot of people kind of think, I know what that means, but unfortunately, so many people have so many different definitions for it that if we don't take a moment to kind of identify and define what the word humble means in the context we're speaking about, we might get off on the wrong page. So let's go ahead and look at a definition for the word humble. And it goes as follows. Humble means not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive. So when I read that, and I was told this years ago by one of my really close friends, and I think it still sticks with it. Being humble is really just an accurate assessment of yourself. Being humble is really just an accurate assessment of yourself. Essentially, what we're saying is I've been able to accurately identify my strengths, my competencies, and then I can also accurately identify my weaknesses or areas of you know improvement. So the tricky thing here though is that really requires honest self-reflection. And unfortunately, we as a human race are just not built for that kind of a task. Normally, we do we do two things. One, we over-exaggerate the things we're good at, and we understate the things we're really bad at. So, you know, if you are, let's say you're somewhat inclined to do well with Excel, you know, the, the formula with Microsoft. Well, you will tell people you're great at it whereas you might just be decent at it. Likewise, you'll take a task that you're not so good at, maybe being detailed or being organized or something in that fashion, and you'll really minimize or you'll you'll underestimate or undervalue how how bad you might be at something. And that's that's natural that that's a human condition, but if we really want to embrace this concept of being a humble leader, we really have to be honest with ourselves and say, here are the things I'm good at, which is fine. It's important to know what we're good at because this allows us to really project that to others so they know kind of what they're getting. And then B, we really have to be able to say, these are the things I'm not so good at, or these are areas I have for improvement, or these are shortcomings or weaknesses, whatever you want to call them. We need to be honest on both sides of that coin. So being humble is accurately assessing ourselves. Being humble is also, and this is a great definition I've heard from that's always attributed to C.S. Lewis, being humble is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, okay? Being humble is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Essentially, what we're saying here is we don't have to put ourselves down. We don't have to, you know, disregard or ignore the things we're good at, but we also don't need to constantly think about ourselves. You know, we don't always need to be the center of attention. We don't always need to have all eyes on us. Instead, and we're going to kind of break this down a little more today, we could use that energy and that time to better serve those around us, especially those we have influence over. So you might ask yourself, okay, this is, these are great definitions, fine. Why should I be humble? You know, what is, what is the benefit there? Well, there's a couple benefits. We'll go over a few of them today. First, 
Being humble gives others the chance to build you up instead of you inaccurately doing it yourself. You know, I think we've all been, I think we've all seen both sides of this coin. So it's really great when you can go into a situation and you're, you're staying humble. You know, maybe you don't think you're, maybe you think you're okay at something, but you don't think you're amazing at it where you let someone else kind of maybe the person in charge of an event or, you know, someone else in a position of authority or that's an intention to say, this person's actually really good at this. And they give you those, those accolades, those kudos, and it feels amazing. You know, it's wonderful when someone else gets a chance to build you up. Likewise, it is so bad when you come into something thinking you're cock of the walk and someone has to put you in your place. You know, they, they relate it to a story in the Bible where this guy thought he was super important. So he sat at the head of the table and the head of the table is just that mark that you're incredibly important. You know, that, that was the position of power and someone had to come by and say, no, no friend, that's not your seat. Your seat's way over here. And you can kind of just think the embarrassment and, you know, just how inadequate you'd probably feel in that moment. But it's always better. And, and the neat thing about this is people really like to be able to bring you up. You know, we don't, we don't talk about this a lot, but it's great when someone else can bring you up versus you doing it yourself. And you get the added benefit of getting to experience that uplifting of someone else and, and, you know, versus having them having to kind of bring you back down to reality. So that's our first thought. Why else should you be humble? Another thought. It shows others that you have good judgment because you were first able to accurately judge yourself. So what we're saying here is if you can take the time to be humble, what that means is you've accurately assessed your own abilities. You can identify what you're good at. And that's great. That, that's confidence. That's not arrogance. Arrogance is uh, confidence without anything to back it up. You know, so confidence, you, you've got a track record. You have things to point to to say, I say I'm good at this and here's why. You know, arrogance is just, I say I'm good at this and you have nothing to back it up. So we're showing others we have good judgment because we can accurately assess what we're good at and what we're not good at. And what's important about that is when others see that in us, it builds confidence, but as a byproduct, it also builds trust. And this trust is going to permeate the workforce that, or your culture in the team that you're in. Because the more that people see that you're being honest and that you've really you've adjusted, you've, you've assessed yourself correctly, not only are they going to trust you more, but they're also going to be more apt to listen to you when you have to give them correction or when you give them praise because they're going to know it's genuine and it's credible. Okay, so... Let's look at one, another one. Being humble models a behavior for less experienced leaders to follow. So we're, you know, we're kind of at the front end of this, but we're already kind of seeing a lot of those benefits of being humble. You know, we're, we're accurately assessing ourselves, which is good for our own self-image, especially in regards to development, because we can't set a course for where we want to get to if we don't know where we are now. Okay, so that's really important. But it also models a behavior for those coming up behind you. You know, like it or not, you are always on display as a leader. You know, people are always looking at the decisions you make and the behaviors you choose to do are going to be followed by others. And that works both ways, unfortunately. You know, it's kind of that double-edged sword. You know, so if you're that kind of person who believes in honesty, integrity, and a strong character in the workplace, that's going to permeate. That the, Those behaviors, those actions, others are going to emulate those. But likewise, if you're the person who lies, cheats, and steals, you're planting a harvest that you really don't want to reap because you're going to have a whole office and a whole culture of people who think that that behavior is okay. Or at worst, that behavior is how you have to get ahead. There's really no other option. So we need to be mindful of that. Last thought, 
Why should you be humble? When we know ourselves better, we are in a better position to effectively develop ourselves and others. Okay, so we kind of just touched on this. When we can accurately assess where we are, we can much easier and more much accu- much more accurately assess where we're trying to go. You know, if you say to yourself, you know, I want to get in shape this year, and and you say, okay, uh, maybe I need to work on this, or maybe I need to work on that, but you never take the time to get a baseline. If you never take the time to know how fast can I run, how long can I run, you know, how much of this exercise can I do before I'm just wore out, you're not going to be able to really accurately and strategically plan to get yourself to the goal you want to get to. You know, that's why it's really important that whenever you start something new or whenever you've got this goal that you want to achieve, you've got to get the baseline. You've got to know kind of where you're at. You know, you wouldn't go, the Bible says you wouldn't build a a building, so to speak, without first, you know, finding out how much it'll cost. And this is kind of the same thing. You need to do your due diligence on the front end so that you're better prepared to lead those around you by being a more humble leader. So now that we have an idea of what being humble means and why it's important, just as kind of a starting point in our journey today, let's go to the book. Let's go to the Bible, and let's see what the Bible has to say about being humble. There's actually a lot of verses about being humble and how beneficial it is, but I was only able to pick a few, and I hope they resonate with you. The first one I chose was Proverbs 22.4, and it says this, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honors and life. I think we should read that one again. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honors and life. I think we need to segue here for just a quick second. A lot of times it, when you're reading the word, especially if you, you maybe not have spent a lot of time in it, you're going to see fear of the Lord come across a lot. And it doesn't mean what you probably think it means at, at your first reaction. What it really means is, let's say that you're, you're in the desert. Okay, you're in maybe Iraq or Afghanistan or, you know, one of those countries and you're on a military base. Okay. You're safe on the base. The fear comes from when you are not on the base. You know, you no longer have that protection. That's the idea behind the fear in the fear of the Lord that we're talking about here. We should be fearful of not being in fellowship with God where we do not have his blessing and we do not have his protection. That's the fear we're talking about. We're not to so much to be afraid of God as we are. We're supposed to be afraid of not doing life with God. Okay, so back on track here. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So it's really cool to see here is that the Lord blesses those who are obedient to him. You know, it's, it's very clearly spelled out here. So being humble, you know, accurately assessing your abilities and Fear of the Lord, which means if you want to be in right standing with God, you follow his precepts, you follow his word by your actions. Okay, so it's very clearly spelled out here how we can get, and it sounds like a good deal to me, the riches, the honor, the life, that all sounds like pretty good to me. I would imagine it sounds pretty good to you. And it's, we've got a clear path on how to do that. So that was our first thought. Let's also look at New Testament. James 4.10 says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Now, I want to just pause for just a second here and kind of just visualize what that verse just said. Humble yourselves before the Lord, meaning accurately assess yourself in front of God, which means you put God first. You acknowledge God as creator of the universe, the creator of all reality, which includes us, and we've humbled ourselves. We've accurately put ourselves in 
that position of serving Almighty God. That's in this context, that's what humility and hum- being humble would mean. When we do that before the Lord, He will exalt us. Could you just imagine that? You, you've humbled yourself before God. You've said, God, you are, you are King, you are Almighty, you are the creator of everything. I, I worship you and I, I humble myself before you, and God exalts you. You know, that's just, that's such a powerful, you know, image to think about. I think that one we could really dig into hard, but the point here again is to just see how much favor God puts on us when we're humble. Let's get another one from the New Testament. Philippians 2.3 says this, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. And remember conceit, you know, we, it doesn't outright say it, but the definition of humble was not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive. We could definitely put conceit in there in place of one of those words. So do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And here's kind of where that concept we just briefly touched on earlier is use this, the time saved from exalting yourself and help lift up others. You know, a lot of times they have this phrase that says, blessed to be a blessing. And essentially what that means is you are so overflowing with the favor of God because you've been, you know, obedient or you have followed the Lord's teachings or you're, you're acting it out in your life in a way that people can see that you're a follower of Christ, that you, you are so blessed, you are overflowing, you can give and give and give and give because you're able to. You know, a lot of times people would say, why are you helping them? You know, why, why are you giving to them? The correct response is, because I can. You know, I'm in a place to do that. That's why they say it's more, you know, blessed to be a blessing or it's better to give than it is to receive. Because when you're in a place to give, that means you are, are all of your needs have already been met, so to speak. You know, your, your, nat, your needs of your food, clothing, shelter, you're taken care of and you're in a position to give to others. So it's really important to see. We want to be able to take that time saved. We've accurately assessed ourselves. We're no longer, you know, putting this front on. That saves you a lot of time. And now you can use that time to be really effective for the kingdom. You can lift up others. You can mentor. You know, you can share your years of experience or your wisdom with someone else, and it's going to benefit them. And ultimately, you're again going back to being a good steward because you've taken your talents and you're giving a good return to God. You've helped take the talents of others and helped to foster and improve them. And that also is very God-honoring. The last thing I want to look at is not a specific verse, but I think it's just a general concept I'd like to cover. Jesus knew he was God incarnate, I mean, God in the flesh, yet he humbled himself. Okay. By accepting fleshly, fleshly limitations. And what I mean by that is you've got God, the creator, you know, this is God without dimension, God that can be everywhere. And Jesus, who is part of the Trinity, has taken on a physical shape, which means there he's chosen to have physical limitations. While he was on earth, he didn't fly, you know, he didn't, he still had to eat, he still had to sleep, you know, he didn't burn holes through walls. He harnessed the power of the Holy Spirit to do miracles and save, but he chose to limit his abilities. You know, when, when he was resurrected, he could walk through walls, and he ascends to heaven. Uh, right before he goes to the cross, he's on a mountain with Moses and Elijah, you know, and he just transforms himself instantly. And so the ability is always there, but 
he humbled himself because he wanted to reach people. And he knew that to reach people, he was going to have to come with a, I don't know if diminished is the right word, but he was going to have to come in a way that people were going to accept it and not be fearful. You know, we hear in the Old Testament how the Israelites begged Moses, please don't ask God to talk to us anymore. We think we're going to die. Please just, you listen, you tell us what he says. Okay, so we've got this long line of people who, when the, when the power is, you know, so awesome and amazing, they kind of get a little scared and fearful, and they, the message doesn't always land. So Christ had to be very careful in how he came, and, you know, miracles were a great way for people to see his power and glory without getting fearful. Now, we have the Pharisees and Sadducees who did not like it, and they were fearful, but those are for the, all the wrong reasons, the, their wrong reasons. So. But we don't want to get off topic there. The point was, when you look at the Bible and you, you, know, you reconcile it with being humble, you see that God really shows favor on people who choose to humble themselves. Now let's see how we can apply this. So we've kind of talked about what being humble is and why it's beneficial. We've also talked about how humility looks in the Bible and why it's super beneficial. Hello, being exalted by God. Anybody remember that? Now let's ask, how can we apply this concept of humility into our professional lives? You know, how do we take these are great thoughts, these are great ideas, how do we take them perhaps out of ministry, out of the church, and apply them into the business world? Well, a couple thoughts today. Point number one is we have to be brutally honest in our self-assessment. We have to start by identifying our real strengths and our real weaknesses. We don't want to give Miss America answers here. You don't want to say, what's my biggest weakness? Oh my gosh, I just, I care too much or I work too hard or, you know, I just, I I give, I give so much, you know, you don't, that's not real. That's not going to lead to lasting change. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to find those things that you're good at and really dig into them. And you have to find those things that you're not so good at and I'm under the philosophy that you improve them to the point they are not a deterrent to you, but there's a really good chance the things you're not good at are the things you're probably going to stay not good at. However, you can work on them enough to where they aren't going to drag you down. But it's really important to know these things because there are times where you need to be able to say yes to a project because you know it aligns with your strengths. And there are times where you need to say, I'm not the right person for this. I will do this job because I'm being paid and I'm a servant of this business, but you're much better off to ask so-and-so to help with this because they're going to be better than I am. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine someone in the workplace saying, you know, that I'm just not your guy, but he is, you know, and, they, and they're talking about you. He, he's the right guy for you. He's great at this project. Could you imagine the level of humility that that would take in a workplace and how confident you could be in God and knowing that your true identity is in Christ to do that and, and what an impact that would have on your followers. So, This is the first step in creating a plan for real, lasting personal development. You're not going to get where you want to go until you accurately assess where you are. So that's thought number one. Thought number two, seek feedback from others on what they perceive as your strengths and weaknesses. So we've got to start with ourselves. You know, we've we've got to look at it and say, you know what, this is who I am, or it's an all, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm not so good at. But then you also need to, because again, we're human, we're, we're, we're always going to be a little biased in, you know, maybe overly assessing our abilities or under assessing our weaknesses. So you need to surround yourselves with people who will be honest with you 
because they want what's best for you. We've talked about this in a previous episode with your wise counsel. Your wise counsel has got to be able to argue with you, and you can trust it because you know these people have your best interest. They're not saying no or they're not disagreeing with you because they're trying to get ahead and they're trying to cut your throat. They're doing it because they love you and they want to see you get better, and the only way you're going to get better is if they bring you you know, what could be an uncomfortable truth. You got to compare their assessments with your own to generate a more accurate picture of who you are, both inwardly and outwardly. You want to give this close circle of people some carte blanche in your life. They, they need to know, do you struggle with ego? You know, do you struggle with character? Do they struggle with integrity? The, a lot of inward stuff. Do you struggle, you know, with your weight or do you struggle with just discipline in general? And some of those outward qualities. You need to give people this kind of access so they, so they can honestly speak into your life. Thought number three, model your strengths and weaknesses for others. Don't be afraid to be good at what you're good at. Likewise, don't be too proud to admit your limitations and be willing to seek help from others. We kind of covered this earlier. Humility is just an accurate assessment of where you fall in the, in the context of a situation. So if you're the best person in the room to do a project, that's okay. And you can even say, you know, kindly, I'm probably, based on my experience, based on my track record, I'm probably the best person to take on this project. That's confidence. That's not arrogance because you can back that statement up. Likewise, don't be too proud to admit when you're not the right person or something might be out of your competency or just something you're not going to be super successful at. Now, there's going to be times where you're just going to have to rise to the occasion, and that's fine. That's when we grow and learn. But it's always a really good idea. And again, it builds trust and, you know, that kind of confidence from others when you can be honest and say, I'm either really good at this or I'm not so good at this. Modeling this kind of behavior will raise the level of confidence in your workplace, allowing more people to excel in their respective areas of strength as well as get help in their areas of weakness. Because that's what this is all about anyway. As leaders, we are there to kind of cultivate a garden, so to speak. We are trying to get the, the most yield, the most output, the most produce out of someone in a way that's going to benefit them. You know, we're trying to identify those talents. We're going to refine them and we're going to turn them into the best version of whoever God created them to be that we have the influence and capability to do. So that's going to mean we're going to help sharpen where they're strong. You know, we're going to give them more tasks and more ability and more responsibility and more direction in areas we think they're going to really excel in. But we're also going to do that for the areas that they're weak in. You know, we're going to help make sure that those weaknesses are not a detriment to them. We're going to help give them you know, that, that kind of specialized attention where if it's something they need help on, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it because we know that when we get better, the whole organization gets better. You know, our last thought is, is this. Put humility into action by putting yourself aside in order to build up your team or followers. Let's hit that one again. Put humility into action by putting yourself aside in order to build up your team and followers. The positive development of your followers is a direct reaction, a reflection rather, on the influence of the leader. And I think it's important. I think sometimes people really forget that, that if we can say that the team failed because of the leader, we can also say that the team succeeded because of the leader. Your influence is felt both ways. So when your followers start to improve at something, that's a direct reflection of your, your influence and leadership on really cultivating their talents and, you know, minimizing those weaknesses, really enhancing those strengths. 
because when our le- when our followers get better, the whole organization gets better. There's a great quote that just it says, "A rising tide raises all ships," and basically what that means is, when our team gets better, our company performs better. When our company performs better, there's a better atmosphere, there's a better culture, there's this there's this better feeling in the organization, and more people are going to improve because of it. It's it's just as contagious as apathy in the workplace or, you know, when people are just kind of indifferent to however things are going. Okay. So just remember when we want to focus on humility and our professional lives, we want to assess where we are. We want to get feedback from others. We want to model those strengths and weaknesses, and then we want to put it in action by putting ourselves aside to build others up. As we close today, I'd love to run across a few final thoughts. These are the open-ended questions that I'd love you to answer on your own or share with your group to get some dialogue going around. The first thought is this. What assessment tool can you use to identify your strengths and weaknesses accurately? Accurately is the real key thing here. You need to do a little research on the internet. Find out if there's an assessment tool out there that's really going to kind of align with your industry or your business or just maybe your personality that's really going to help give you an idea of what you're really good at and what you are not so good at. Because that, that we've already talked about that as a cornerstone of humility. We've got to accurately you know, assess ourselves. Second thought, who on your team are you going to get honest feedback on your strengths and weaknesses from? This is important. We've kind of talked about it in previous episodes about finding that wise counsel. And if you haven't already done so, I'd really encourage you to because you're going to be much better and much more effective when you add that compounding interest of that wise counsel. You're getting the benefit of multiple viewpoints, of, of multiple life experiences, and multiple vantages, multiple perceptions. You know, this is, this is what you want to, because we are, we're just one person. We can't see everything. We want to rely on having that really good information from those people we trust. Point, uh, thought number three, how are you going to foster a culture of competence for your followers, both in executing their strengths and getting help in their weaknesses? How are you going to foster this culture? You know, that might mean you give your team these assessments, or that might mean, you know, you're a little more honest with the things you're, you're not so good at. You know, it's, it's, it's great to be honest with the things you are good at, but it might even be more impactful at least in the interim, for people to see when you're willing to say, I'm not so good at these things, or so-and-so is probably better suited to do this because this is a stronger concept or this is a stronger action or feature for them. The last thought is this. How are you going to build up one of your followers this week? We're putting, we're putting timeline on it. You, you got homework. How are you going to build up one of your followers this week? This doesn't have to be crazy. This doesn't have to be some crazy grand gesture. It's just a starting point. How are you going to build them up? This could be something as simple as picking up a book at the used bookstore saying, you know what, I really thought about you when I saw this. I think this could really help you refine a couple of areas. I want you to have this book. That's it. That's easy. This could mean being, and you might have to be very soft about this, letting someone know that what they're working on, it looks like they're struggling with, or perhaps this isn't the best use of their skill set. But you're going to help them get through it. You're going to help them learn some best practices. Or maybe you're going to help them find what it is that they're really good at. No matter what, remember, none of us are perfect. We're all trying to find it what it is that we're going to be really successful at. And as a leader, you can help do that for your people. When you're humble in how you approach things, you project that humility onto others. And that's going to lead to people more confident in what they do, and more honest in those areas 
that they can improve on. And that, my friends, is true humility. I want to thank you so much for joining us this week. And remember, as followers of Christ, we are called to glorify God in our actions, to grow His kingdom through our example, to be a positive influence on others by doing the King's business. Thank you, and have a great week.